Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. One of the benefits of working with Kevin Barker is you learn that you're holding the bat wrong throughout your life, which probably explains why I'm doing this. Well, actually, you're doing this too, but you're doing this after you. Yeah, you're not Bugs Bunny. You ever see that Bugs Bunny cartoon where he's strike one, strike two, strike three, and he's holding the bat the way he is, and it's like salt dust? Yeah. Yeah, you can't do that. Every now and then, just to get, just to break up the monotony, we, Barker asks folks who work here to just grab a bat. He doesn't ask you for your batting stance. He asks you to grab the bat. Just grab the bat. And he looks at how we're holding it. Going, just kind Who of holds the bat like this? Well, that's real good for the folks on the radio. Like this. Nobody. Well, this is for on TV. We're on TV now. Well, we're also on the so radio. People on TV can see this. Let me tell you that. Okay, we've got Doug Glanville. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring Doug Glanville in as well. We'll get, Doug the seri- knows. we'll get to serious stuff. He is, of course, Doug Glanville of ESPN Marquee Sports Network. He's co-host of the Starkville Podcast along with Jason Stark. All right. I'm going to ask you this, Kevin. Can you tell when someone has never played baseball just by the way they pick up the bat? You want me to answer that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I just watched you pick it up, and I All can right. tell right away that you'd never played baseball. Yeah, there you go. Doug, yeah. same, same question. There is a way you pick up the bat, isn't there? Well, yeah, there's, there's a lot of truth to that. And, uh, <laughs> but I will say this. When I first signed, uh, there's a, you know, the label of the bat, you know, they say label up or label mm-hmm. down because the grains of the wood. And I really didn't know that. I used to hit with a label facing the catcher. So, you know, it's a, it's so, you know, it's wood bats. That changes everything. Doug, yeah. I, Doug I, used, I used to have to flip it around because I was in the minor leagues a lot. And, you know, they're, they're expensive, the bats. And I, I used to bone both sides. And when yeah. one side would get a little, you know, messed up, I'd have to flip it around on the other side. So I feel you like it's It's like rotating tires on the car. It's a a terrible feeling, especially if you're like, you know, six for 10 one way. And now you got to flip it around because it's cracked on one side. It's awful. Uh, Doug, listen, thanks so much for joining us uh, today. You know, we, we appreciate your time as always. Um, Of course, the Jays are in New York taking on the Yankees. Uh, They won the first game three, nothing. The second game of the four game series goes tonight. You uh, also was on the radio broadcast, or you, you also were on the radio broadcast of the, the Yankees uh, Red Sox on Sunday Night Baseball. How, how, do, you, how do you view this, this American League East? Like, a lot of us have all four, have four teams going to the playoffs out of the American League East. <laughs> well, I, yes, that's how good it is. It, it really is anyone's race, and there's a lot of talent, but there's a lot of depth in the, in the whole division and you think about the Rays who often are an afterthought even though every time they win it's like well yeah but there's always a big but (laughs) but they're once again doing what they they always do just using efficiency and having the sum of the parts uh, more valuable than the individual parts so that's a style but you know the Blue Jays they you know they've always had this high-powered offense and Charlie Montoya a good friend of mine someone I played with uh, back in you know, Puerto Rico days and just really appreciate what he brings. I'm so happy to see him get this opportunity. And he's the right leader to, to lead, you know, players into that next level. He's very versatile in, in building a team and then actually taking them 
across the finish line. So, yeah, when I think of the Yankees, you know, watching them, they had a really good bullpen and, you know, big power guys in the heart of the order that can do damage at any given time. So, they, you know, they have a lot going for them. And, and, of course, you know, when you look at Boston, you know, Alex Cora is just a good fit with them. So they have a lot of, you know, a lot of techniques and strategies where he just knows his players well. And they've added someone like Trevor Story. So, you know, it's it's definitely a possibility that all those teams could get in. I didn't pick it that way. Uh, I did actually pick the Blue Jays to win the division, so just <laughs> FYI. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, there um, there's just so much depth. Doug, when we're when we talk about pitching, how long into the season should we stop saying, "Well, it was a shortened spring training"? It's a good question, and well, they're they're kind of betting on that to be May, early May, because the roster will contract by two players. Uh, for example, the Yankees were carrying 16 pitchers, mm-hmm. 12 position players. So, you know, this is how the reality of just having a shortened spring and, you know, someone like Jordan Montgomery of the Yankees, he threw three and two thirds innings in spring training. I mean, that's just not going to do it. it. He did pitch on the side, but the idea that having that game readiness, all the teams are dealing with it. So they're going to find ways to lean into their bullpens. And that's why you look at the blue Jays. Yes. Jordan Romano has saved everything, right? Because the starters haven't been sharp relatively, and they will eventually because Barrios, these guys will be better. But the bullpen was able to set it up enough with that high-powered offense to win ball games, And that's how teams are kind of winning. Game one of the Yankees-Red Sox, eight, uh, eight bullpen hitters, eight relievers on one side and seven on the other. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so I would say, yeah, I'd give it a month and uh, see people stretching out more and more. Do the Red Sox have enough pitching to hang in there? Not if Chris Sale and, you know, pitchers, their, their rotation has to get healthy. Um, that So that would be their, their shortfall. And their bullpen is not strong enough to continue to bridge six, seven innings to close out games. Uh, that's hard for any team, let alone, you know, the, what the Red Sox are dealing with. So that's going to be their weakness and that's that's why early on, especially yes, it's early in the season. But these thirty games in the first month, they they matter because you know you're, there are a lot of division games, and you could set the tone early on uh, as the you know the Blue Jays have a chance to in New York. Uh, we talk about pressure. We talk about pressing a little bit too much. You watch Matt Chapman. Looks to me like he's had fourteen at bats. He struck out eight times. Looks like he's trying too hard. Looks like he's trying to impress a new team. You know, a new country, which is not the easiest thing to do. Is that a, is that hard for a veteran guy that's expected to come from one team to another? That's you know expected to go really deep in a playoffs. Is that a tough thing to do to not press as much? It is tough, and you know one thing I learned. I'll never forget my first opening day breaking camp with the Cubs, and I stood next to Mark Grace, who had been around the league a long time, and I. I asked him, well, do you still get nervous? He's like, absolutely. You know, I'm not alive if I don't. And, you know, I, every year I question, do I have it? You know, am I going to start off slow and, and be out? So we all, you know, there's a tremendous insecurity of being at that high level, knowing that someone's done in for your job. And, and you want to, like you said, new environments where you're trying to do something because it's not like he came to a team uh, that is supposed to be like in fifth place. I mean, this is a team that is expected to win. And I think the other thing about Chapman is he, he, he's been colored a lot by, well, he's not that much of a bat consistently. You know, he's very streaky. And, and so he doesn't want to be the, the failure on the offensive side, the weak link in the lineup. 
So, you know, yes, he's an awesome glove man. So, and that's really the primary thing that they, they brought him there for. The, look, the Yankees and Red Sox have improved defensively. So I, I think the Blue Jays felt that that was a good move to make. But he's, he's so talented over there. I mean, even if he has 220 with, you know, 20 bombs, he's going to be an asset to, to the Blue Jays. Now, uh, you working on the Cubs broadcast, you're going you're gonna to be seeing a guy that absolutely intrigues me. Um, I, I watched a little bit of him. Uh, when he when he played in Japan, just just because I would had a lot of time to, to kill during COVID nineteen, and I was just watching stuff that I normally probably wouldn't watch. Seiya Suzuki, what in in Japan he walked two hundred and sixty three times, he struck out two hundred and forty three times. Sunday, and unless I think I'm reading this right, uh, Sunday he saw he saw fifty seven pitches against the Brewers. He went after twelve of them. But eleven of the twelve were in the strike zone. So basically, he just chased one of the twenty-nine balls he saw. Does, is is that right? <laughs> that I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. I mean, I I watched them in spring training this year, uh, and you know, very gracious and has the translator with him, but very outgoing. I mean, he's he's kind of a, a class clown in some ways. Has fun with his teammates. This guy is so talented. First of all, I picked him to win the rookie of the year. And, mm-hmm. I mean, and I, and I look, there's a lot of great players these days, but I picked him. And what I see in his game is that he's so sound, like understanding the zone, understanding his zone, understanding defense. But I was just so blown away at how well he navigated the Arizona sun in, <laughs> in spring training. He mm. got his glove. He angled at the right position. A cannon of an arm. Cannon arm. I mean, he does everything. He's kind of a five-tool guy. And the thing is different about his approach at the plate. He's kind of like Otani when you think about leaning back into the power game. You know, the, the, you know, you get into these mindsets that, oh, Ichiro is this prototypical player or, or Shinjo. But actually, he's a back-leg power guy that comes with a, a real effort that he can drive the ball out of the ballpark, but he does it with discipline. So I'm just seeing a complete player. And there's a lot of talk about the velocity in Major League Baseball is about three miles an hour fastballs at, in average over Japan. So there's a lot of question, oh, is he going to catch up to this 100-mile-an-hour heat? I don't see him having a, a problem, ultimately. We have to learn the pitchers. And, but something about his discipline that kind of cuts through the velocity is going to make that difference. And, and so because he's too good an athlete, his hands are lightning quick. It's just more like, okay, now I see it. Now I'm timing it. So, as Tim Kirchin used to say, after a while, major league hitters seeing enough times could time an airplane. You know, so, <laughs> um, so you know, this guy is really exciting. And and even if he's not like you know blowing off the roof in production right away, he's so fun to watch. <laughs> he, he's just a, a really in, enjoyable, entertaining player. Doug, the people that you've talked to around baseball, do they so far like pitch calm? Do they like the umpires coming out and and telling fans? why they made a certain call. Do you, do you think it's going the way that Major League Baseball envisioned it would go? Yes, and, and yes and yes. I think 22 out of 30 teams are already using it. Yeah. And, and I, that shocked me because, you know, the whole old-school baseball, like, oh, well, let's think about this. Let's weigh it in at 12 committees. And No, they were like, yeah, there's t- like Luis Severino pitching for the Yankees. You know, we talked to Aaron Boone and Alex Cora, their managers, and, and Boone was saying, well, he wasn't sure that initially he would uh, embrace it. And especially he was kind of coming back from you know, trying to get healthy again. And he was like, no, no, I want this. 
And so they use it. Now, Boston wasn't using it, and they, they kind of were still feeling it out and sort of testing it. He felt like, it, it, you know, if you're not embracing it 100%, then it can rush you a little bit. So there was, so there was some concern, but it wasn't up to technology. They had no issue with the technology. And so what you're getting, like if you watch that series, a lot of times the Red Sox hitters weren't ready. And, and they were stepping out and stuff because they, the, the Yankees were getting the sign. <laughs> Students, yeah. The next pitch was like, boom. So it's going to help with the pacing. The first game, although the, the first game I called on Saturday, it went less than three hours, and it was a you know, pretty busy game. So I think the fans will love the tempo. It's not, like, just imagine what happens. They run around second. Oh, I got to do the third sign after I wipe my shirt and then multiply by pi and divide by. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like, you know, it's like 12 minutes before you get the next pitch. You know, now it's just like crisp. The other thing to watch is they can have five of them. So the shortstop, the center fielder, and Eduardo Perez was on my podcast yesterday on Starkville, and he said that, you know, I like the, the idea that center fielders, shortstops will know what's coming, and then they can start anticipating and leaning certain directions. So it's, it's like there's a lot of things that are going to help communication-wise. And so far, it's, um, you know, people love it, and they're, and they're willing to kind of work with the growing pains of it because it's just been such an asset for so many of these teams. We found it really interesting last night watching the Jays not use it uh, and then use it. They're not, they haven't been really consistent. Their relievers seem to like it. Some of their starters have dabbled in it, uh, dabbled with yep. it. But we noticed last night with Aaron Judge that he in the in the late in the game he was facing pitchers who were using it, and now he had a, there was a lot of issues with strike zone in that last night. But 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 we both noticed, and they made a point in the TV uh, broadcast as well. I mean he 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 appeared to be kind of betwixt and between because Adam Simber was nodding before he got on the mound. He's ready to go, and yeah, you know Judge. Of course, it's New York. You're going to try to control the pace of the game and all that. But he really seemed to be just caught between everything. And it was a really, were two really uncomfortable at bats for him. And I wonder if maybe, you know, we look at this from a pace of play pitcher's point of view. At, at some point, hitters are going to have to figure out how to, how to handle this themselves, aren't they? Absolutely. And, and you know, keep in mind, these, these pitch comps, they're tailored to each pitcher, whether it's a, what's in their repertoire. Um, some pitchers just want the, the actual pitch and then the catcher uses his glove for location instead of like entering it in. So, you know, you have that flexibility now as a hitter, you know, if you're getting into the mindset of how pitch comes being used, you're going to get in trouble because now you have to learn not only what they're throwing, but how they're using pitch com. <laughs> so, right. So that's where I do think that it's, that's part of the learning curve. I would say advantage pitcher in a certain way, because they're able to, like you said, get on the mound and know what's coming next. And rush. So yes, I saw a lot of hitters stepping out in Boston. Alex Cora talked to the umpires and gave them a heads up, like, "Hey, you know, you're, you know, you're rushing guys." I know when we talked to Theo Epstein and talking about the rules in terms of clocks and, and possibly having a timer, they they're trying to play with how much time they should give the hitter to get in the box. I think it's like right now nine seconds is what they're kicking around as possible ideas. So, you know, so I, it's a cat and mouse game, and it's just another kind of cat and mouse game between pitcher and hitter. But most of the hitters will, will adjust because even Cora in his meeting before Sunday's game, he said to the guys, like, get ready, okay? Get, when you get in the box, make sure you're ready. And, and so the modern version of that would, is PitchCon. But I face, remember facing Greg Maddox, and at one point I faced him a million times, 
and then I go to Atlanta, and I used to do this crazy stretch before the first game, pitch, first pitch, and then I'd get in the box and I'd look down and I'd do all this stuff. So one day I did all that crazy stuff, got in the box, looked down, and then when I looked up, the ball was halfway home. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, so that's sort of what happens, right? You guys like Maddox, who, who are already kind of pitch calm guys without pitch calm. You know, they knew how to change the pacing of Luis Tiant and, and Johnny Cueto. It is about disrupting rhythm. I don't think the league wants the technology to be that, to be the disruptor. So, you know, they're going to continue to adjust it. And I, I, they're going to get it right, though. It's it's proving to be a pretty good asset. You, you mentioned you like the umpires coming out and, and, and saying why they made a certain call. Do you think they'll be a little bit more detailed? Like, like I just think there's something missing. You know, I, I've seen them come out and – say what they what the the outcome of the call was but you think they'll be a little bit more detailed down the road they they will and and it's something once again that's new so as they figure out the best way to communicate i mean they're not familiar with it if you're an nfl referee or you're nba referee who always comes to the table right and you know on the challenges uh they they get into the discussion but baseball you know, we, we have a lot of secrecy in baseball. <laughs> so umpires are like, oh, I got to reveal all this stuff. But, yeah, it's going to get better. I mean, it's it's a communication job now when you do that. And you have to learn how to – just like when I first got to ESPN, I didn't really, you know, understand like, oh, well, you know the game. That's that's enough. No, it's actually a communication job. Yeah. And umpires are not very familiar. They're, they're kind of be seen, not hurt. So I see that getting better. Doug, really good of you to do this. Thanks so much as always. Have a good year. Yep. Absolutely. My pleasure. Take care. Doug Glanville, the ESPN Marquee Sports Network and co-host of the Starkville podcast uh, with some intriguing thoughts on Pitchcom and also say a Suzuki. I don't know if you saw the numbers of that that game against Milwaukee, but that was outrageous. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's he is he is fun to watch. He's always got he's got a he's a little older player. He's he's been there and done it before, which is a big deal. I think he's got a real good idea of who he is as a hitter. That's a huge deal coming over here. You know, I, I think he can hit velocity. That's the one thing that I've noticed is, you know, he can get the mm-hmm. foot down. And I like what Doug said about the back leg city, and I thought about where he, he plays his home games. And if the wind's blowing out there and you can go back leg city, right, and you can let the ball travel a little bit more and you can get a ball in the zone that you want consistently and you can create some backspin and use the benefits of the wind blowing, you know, it blows a lot to right center in Chicago. And you can, you know, you can play that to your advantage a little bit. I, it's He just adds a little different element that I like watching and and – you know, any, anytime you can add a, a player of that caliber to a team that I don't want to say is rebuilding, I don't think that's the right that's the right phrase to use with the Cubs because it is the Cubs. But they're they're trying to to get the right mindset of where they want to go as an organization. Add a player like that's going to put people in the stands. They're going to want to come watch that. Well, do you know what time it is? It's a special time because we've got the bringer of rain coming on uh, in a yes. few minutes. So it is that time of the show. Barker's Backleg mm-hmm. Bits. We need to get this announcer on. Uh, yeah, we, we may be the wrong people to talk to. We said Barker's Bits, not Baker. My goodness, Barker just airmailed that thing. It's time for Barker's Backleg Bits. Did you ever talk to Jamie about that? No. Well, yeah, yeah, I did. I can't. I it was words. I, I said words to him because you know I I can poke fun at him and yeah okay say say thanks to him that you can, you can't and say you did air, you did airmail it well if you're gonna do it do, do it right 
Well, yeah, don't, and then Gibby, don't half-ass Gibby, it. Gibby came to me and it's like, you're out of the game. I'm like, it's about time. I was in right field in Yankee Stadium. Never, never played the outfield in the big leagues. Thanks for having me. You got to get taken out of the game, Jeff. You might as well do it the right way. Only Gibby could do that and still be that? loved. Oh, he came up to me and it's like, hey, you ever played right field? Yeah, I have. He should have said no. Yeah, he wouldn't have. It wouldn't have mattered, would yeah, it? It wouldn't, it wouldn't have mattered. Mm-hmm. Because then the answer would be, well, you're going to learn. I mean, there's Last really... Last game of the season, did it really matter? Yeah. Mm. Uh, this is the part of the show where we ask you, the listener, to submit questions for Kevin, to tap into that vast experience, that, that vast baseball brain. And you can do that by DMing me at SN Jeff Blair. Eight to the bomb. Ratto the bomb. Eight to the bomb has got to be what it is. An interesting question. Right in your wheelhouse because you played first base. I'm very worried about Vlad getting injured while tagging a runner because he's had to come off first base to catch a throw. It's happened at least three times already this season. Are the throws always to blame or some of this Vlad's inexperience at first and him him coming off in cases where he could have stretched for the throw? Interesting point because Buck talked about this on the weekend. I know you've talked about it a lot. So tell us about, and last year I think you thought a couple of times he could have stretched for the ball. But the difference I'm seeing, well, I'll let you answer the question because it's Barker's back leg bits. I'll let you answer yeah, that question. Yeah, m- most, of, most of the time when a first baseman has to come off the bag, it's the throw. It's, it's not the first baseman. You, and, and it's where the throw is going. If the throw's up towards the umpire, he's going to try and stretch for that. It's very hard to go get that ball, come back and tag the bag, right? So... It's if the ball is towards the runner, it's a little easier to come off the bag early. You want to come and get the baseball, and you want to give with the runner. You don't, and you saw that yesterday mm-hmm. or last night, whenever Vladdy was tagging out. I think, uh, I think it was Giancarlo Stanton. Yes, he gave with Stanton. You don't want to stab at him because when you stab at him, that's how the runner bends bends your wrist, and you have a good chance yeah, of breaking. Ask Floyd about that. You have a good yeah. chance, exactly right. You have a good chance of breaking breaking your wrist. Vladdy has gotten real good at where he's at around first base. That's the big deal is you want to get there as quick as you can. You want to get in an athletic position as quick as you can, and you want to tell yourself expect a bad throw. And you can see that from Vladdy. He's not straight up and down anymore. He's expecting the bad throw. He knows who's playing third. He knows the ground they could cover because they're very athletic at shortstop and third base. He knows the throws might be around the bag, not always at his chest on the bag, an easy lollipop throw. So to answer that is I think most of the time it has a lot to do with the throw. Vladdy is getting a lot better. He takes a lot of pride in it. We saw it the first day of the season. They were there an hour and a half before before the game started or before batting practice. All they did was take ground balls, and he worked around the bag. So let That's me, all he did. Let me ask you this, because you made the point, if the ball goes to where the umpire is, behind home plate, try and stretch or I'm sorry, behind first base, try and stretch. If it goes towards home plate or into the runner, you're going to have to leave the bag. When How... When do you have to make that? It is a split-second decision. I get that. But can a first baseman, can you can you anticipate how where a guy is going to throw just by how, you know, like that play you talked about, Stanton, that was 6-3. That was a play that, that, uh, that Bo sure. made to his backhand. Can you anticipate that? The more you see Bo make that play sure. or whoever it is, if you're Vladdy, you can, you know that, Okay, this 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 ball's going to come. I saw, come I off saw the bag. Vladdy take a thousand throws in spring training from Bo Chapman 
Espinal, Kevin Biggio. The reason why you do that, they're moving around. You know if he submarines the ball in the hole, meaning Bo, the ball's going to do this. It may have, it may start at at Vladdy's uh, right ear and end up towards the runner. He knows that because it's got that tail to it. It's got that sink to it. It's got that little, you know, not good finish to it. It doesn't have good carry to it. He knows that because he's caught a, a ton of them. Again, you have to position yourself that you're going to get at the bag quick enough that you can get in an athletic position. And I want to continue to say that. Mm-hmm. The sooner you can get in an athletic position and set up towards the thrower, the person that's throwing the ball to you will give you a better chance to work from the ground up. Every good first baseman that you always see works from the ground up, not the other way around. You don't ever want to stab at a baseball. You don't want to go from, say, your hat to the ground. You want to go to from the ground to your hat that way. It's just easier because that you can see the ball. You can see which way it's going to bounce. You can play the ball. The ball's not going to play you. It's Vladdy's gotten a ton better. He, and he is very good now at coming and getting the baseball and giving with the runner. Any young first baseman, remember that. Don't stab at the runner. Give with the runner. You want to, like, sort of you're leading him with your glove with the ball in it. And a lot of the times, too, is it's very hard when you snow cone a ball that you almost see good first baseman. They'll do it with two hands. Because if you say, say you're tagging that guy at the knee and his knee hits the ball, it could knock the ball out. So better first baseman who have been there and done it before Vladdy's learning sort of on the fly here. But Vladdy's gotten thinner. He's gotten quicker. He's more athletic around the bag. He's confident, which is probably the most important one out of all of those. And I like Vladdy as a first baseman. He is learning how every guy's throwing the situation of the game, who's running, how much time he's got. Talk about internal clocks. Mm-hmm. First baseman's no different. He knows who's running. He knows how much time he's got to come off the bag. And Vladdy's learning all these things. And and I, quite frankly, I got to say this, the infielders are lucky to have Vladdy. Vladdy's a big target. I don't say that in a bad way, mm-hmm. but no, the I bigger know. that target is, the bigger his chest is, the more room they have for error. They can start that at one side of his body, and it ends up, and it's not further away because he is a bigger target. Stand there. Make you big. Like, I'm big. I'm in an athletic position. My knees are bent. My fanny's down. It's closer to the ground. I'm athletic. Look at me. Throw it here. When Bo sees it moving around, running, that target's big. It's not a small target. So, for me, anyway, the infielders are lucky to have him. We uh, appreciate the question. And again, Barker's back leg bits every day on Blair and Barker. You can DM me, SN Jeff Blair, with questions. And we've already got a couple of questions for tomorrow uh, from listeners. And uh, we will address, we'll pick a question each day and uh, maybe a couple of questions a day, depending on how many we get, and uh, address that situation. But it's your chance to talk to Kevin and maybe also learn a little bit, of, learn a little bit about baseball. I had not heard that the tag explained that way. It makes perfect sense that you don't, you don't want anything rigid when you tag, when you tag somebody. Um, but yeah, it, it's, and, and I've, look, I just think Flatty and Bo, when I look at the conversations we were having about their defense two years ago, I mean, it's. Every time I talk to Louis Rivera now, there's, no, I've, I have not heard a conversation out of the mouth that you would hit, see Vladdy playing third base anymore. Obviously, with Matt Chapman here, you haven't seen that anymore. Yeah. But they have so much confidence in Vladdy positioning, you know, underhand flips, throws of leading the pitcher, ball in the hole. He sort of catches it glove side, makes a turn, throws it to the pitcher. All the things that go into being a first baseman, they're comfortable with them there. And 
You have to be if you're going to be a championship team. You have to play good defense. Yep. And, and he's going to be involved, involved in a lot of plays. you got to feel comfortable in that guy, and I know all the coaches do. This is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The Fan, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Alish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A reminder that you can talk baseball with Kevin Barker, and I'll just listen in after every Blue Jays game on uh, Blue Jays Talk. That starts, I don't know, like five minutes after the game. Like last night, I last night we took it an hour, and uh, that just about killed you. Mm. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. Out of the uh, out of the Yankees game, there's no answer from Barker about that. Uh, so again, Blue Jays talk immediately following every Blue Jays game this year, and uh, the numbers is always four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety star five ninety one triple eight triple six zero five ninety. It's your chance to talk Blue Jays. Vent will have a kind of a question of the day. Tell you what, I'm on social media during the game, if you've got a question that is stuck in your craw, or if you've got something you want to know, well, just DM me, SN Jeff Blair, or on Twitter, drop us a question. 595.90 is a text line. Drop us that as well. I'll take a look at it. And I'll go, hey, that's a pretty good question. We'll throw that out to the, the public as a whole and get people get people talking about it so it's basically your chance you can structure the show the way you want yep the only thing is you have to agree that barker and i do the show mm. i like that idea we're teeing it up for him that's it yeah tell us what you want to talk about people show that that's already copywritten by our our boys in vancouver the people show oh okay shout out dan Riccio. Game two of the four-game series between the Jays and Yankees goes tonight at uh, Yankee Stadium. Nestor Cortez against Yusei Kikuchi. The rest of the uh, matchups, Wednesday will be Jose Barrios and his 108 ERA. <laughs> that just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it's it? Just, it's just it's insane. Uh, He'll be matched up against Garrett Cole. Oof. And a six seven five ERA after one start, and then Thursday Kevin Gossman takes on Luis Severino. That will be an intriguing start for a variety of reasons. I can see those two matching up in some big games this year. Second, second time through the rotation here, it, it's you see a little better. <laughs> uh, obviously, well, with, you're going with you're, Barrios. You're going you know, to. it's not going to be hundred eight all year. But we need to see better location, mile per hour, consistent uh, strike ones. Like you need to, you need to start seeing the big boys showing up and starting to get some things done. Good God, it's only their second start. I, I, look, this expectation is a little higher than it was in, in past years. It, you, uh, the harsh reality of things is, I understand it's it's one hundred and thirty million dollars. One hundred thirty million dollars to give a guy that's you know you you make it easier for Charlie to figure out how to, to work through the other four games. It's just that's the reality of life. 
That's the way people are going to look at you when you're yeah. making a lot more money than everybody else. So I'm sure we'll see that. Barrios will make some adjustments. The curveball be a little bit better. He'll have the the heart rate will be a little slower. Everything will be a little, be fine this time. Four ten p.m. Eastern today. If you're a Canadian baseball fan, you may want to try to check this out. Seattle and the Chicago White Sox. Matt Brash pitching yeah. for the Seattle Mariners. Kingston, Ontario, my hometown. It's oh. where I was born and lived there much. But mm. My hometown. Matt Brash, who has had 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 a remarkable spring training and is just so much fun to watch. Be a nice test for him. Oh, yeah. White That's Sox the White Sox. Lineup. Yep. Yeah. So uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that, and we are going to endeavor to get Matt on the show at some point. Um, we've sure. already, I believe, we've already reached out. And... Oh, there you go. Mark Balfour, our producer. Tomorrow or Thursday, Matt Brash will join us after his first start. Tremendous. Just solid of solid of him to do that. Mm-hmm. I hope he goes and shoves it up their ass. I do too. Because we're down with the Canadian pitching content now that Soroka's kind of coming back. And the White Sox are impossible to root for. Yeah. I don't get that. I mean. With me or you? No, I. You I don't get that? You felt that for, for, yeah, for three is. years. And I I mean, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't have last, any great last year, for the White Sox. I didn't put a ton of thought into the White Sox two years ago. But last year, it's the division they play in. You got pitchers coming out and saying we want to be pushed at the end of the season a little bit more. Really? <laughs> really? All right. I. Show us. If you're that good, show us. Uh, before Josh Donaldson joins us, we, we, we kind of just brushed over Danny Jansen's injury a little bit. Well, we, were, we didn't. We talked about whether or not it would maybe had something to do with the new approach at the plate, and I'm sure we'll find out, we'll find out more uh, at, at some point. What would be your, your concern with how the Jays bring Danny Jansen back. Here's a guy who had a good September. We've talked about he's, his swing is a little different. He's your catcher. He's he's going to have to be moving around an awful lot when you get him. Um, I don't know if you'd necessarily want to DH Jan, uh, Danny. I, I mean, I, I, I guess you could. What what? How should the Blue Jays, you're shaking her head, how should the Blue Jays handle Danny Jansen? I think when he's 100%, he'll be back. When he can catch... And he can catch the games that he's supposed to catch. That means first inning to the ninth inning. That's when he'll be back. I, he's not a DH for me. Why are you DH and Danny yeah. Jansen? He's gotten off to a decent start, and but he's not a DH. Like it's, I mean, I, I, I would, I would think if, if maybe Kirk is is catching start the starting catcher that day, and and Danny is you know living in a tree like he has to start the season. <laughs> maybe <laughs> I guess you put him in there with a lefty on the mound. But other than that, no, you're not going to do that. He is a catcher first guy. And I, I, it would only be beneficial to not only him, but to the Blue Jays and an organization because you could, the quality of depth at the catching position ain't great. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to down, I don't want to, you know, burst bubbles on guys that got called up. And, but it, you know, it just doesn't scream that it's okay when Danny Jansen gets, gets hurt that, you know, it's okay. Take your time. <laughs> so you know, I'm 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 sure they're thinking, okay, let's let's take our time with him and be careful, but hurry up, <laughs> like hurry up. 
ice and be as quick as you can because we need take you to all get back. the time you need. But hurry up. Yeah, take all the time you need, just not that much time. Absolutely. And if you can figure out a shortcut, <laughs> if you can figure out a shortcut, take it. Though we'll, we'll hopefully over at some point in the next couple of days, we'll learn uh, we'll learn more about uh, the nature of that injury. I'm just oblique injuries always. Well, I mean, the way it is now in baseball, every injury, it seems to me anytime anybody gets hurt, we always say, well, you know, those injuries can take a longer time longer time to heal than, than they used to. I think part of the reason for that, well, I know part of the reason for that is nowadays they've got so much, there, there's, there's, there's so much testing that goes into a player, strength testing, that you can't lie to your trainer. You can't go in and go, yeah, it feels a lot better today. Well, let's go and do the... Uh, you know, let's go do the grip yeah. test or something like that and see. I had a conversation with Russell Martin about that, but you know, yeah, they have to stretch a certain yeah, way you, every day. You have to exactly. pass this. I'd have never played. You can't just walk in and go, "Yep, good to go today." Feeling much better? Why are you limping? Oh, I just stepped in something when I. Uh, no, I'd have had to do that when I was a player. I, I would have never played. I, I was not the most limber person in the world, and it would have been a little tougher to, to take the field every single day. But I guess, I guess this is what they think you know, makes every one of these players that much better and they're going to run them through whatever they have to run them through to keep them on the field. But I, you, you, for Danny's sake, because Danny, Danny is, has found a little mojo. Mm-hmm. Offensively, defensively, he's, he's taken that number one and running with it. You know, the Blue Jays done him solid by not going, going out and getting a veteran guy to come here to take his position. They believe in him. The pitchers throwing to him believe in him. You hope he can hurry up and get back and, they're a better team with him being the number one guy. How's that? White Sox just announced that Lucas Giolito is going on the 10-day IL with an abdominal strain. He's going to miss at least two starts. Yeah, it's too bad, too. He's a, he's a big piece for their team. I had a my Cy Young can, candidate, my Cy Young pick. I do believe he's League. the guy that said they needed to be pushed at the end of the season yes, this year. Yes. I believe he's the guy. Yeah, I just just take the ball every five days. Yeah, he also, I think, has a little bit of a contract issue with them. Uh, A.J. Pollock has also gone on the 10-day IL. Uh, he's dealing with a hamstring strain. And and first weekend, uh, you know, we're, we're you're going to get, you're going to get more of these at some point this week. You're going to get more, more of these injuries. And, and um, you know, I, I'm not going to talk about spring training all the time, but this is, I know you, you, you talked about, I think, I think you spoke to, to, to Pete Walker, if, if just about are they monitoring things any differently because this spring was so different? And and there's, you know, this is uncharted territory. Even for even for 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 uh, even for analytics and for and, and given all the medical advancements we have, we haven't had as much kind of dislocation over three years as we've had in baseball before, you know, COVID shutting down spring training, coming back short in season and all this. It's just, there are a number of different things that, 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 you know, go into this right now that it, it is really uncharted territory for a lot, yeah, of, maybe, a lot of people. Maybe we talk about it more than they have. The, the, the conversations that I've had, it's, it's a, it's a quick conversation. Again, most of the guys that matter on the, on the Blue Jays team have been there and done it before. They understand their body. They know what it takes to, to not overdo it early in the season. Like, they, they get, you know, big situations. It's, it's better to take a little off than add a little. They, they, they get that. They should be taking care of their, their, themselves other than having to go to Pete Walker or an analytics guy and go, hey, what should I do? I can hold my I hand through that. this. 
I, I, I realize you know? that. I just think, I think you're too dismissive. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just. I expect being a lot. Overly cautious because I think this team's really good, and I expect a lot. And we I expect know a lot because you were never, hard. you were never injured either when you played. Absolutely not. I was. I mean, let me rephrase that. You were, yeah. I played on some you awful never, fields. You never, quote unquote, missed time with nope. injuries. I, I was put on the Phantom DL. It was DL then, and the, at the minor league level, and I, I was this close to retiring. I couldn't stand it. Drove me nuts. The Phantom. That's obviously, I wasn't hurt. Right. So they're just doing that in order to. Create Rick Sweet, the manager, wanted to keep me on the space. team and to to keep the roster spot and and basically not release me. He started me on the on the DL, but I did go to the big leagues that year. So Rick Sweet took care of you. He absolutely did. He's Rick a good man. He's a good man. We are uh, waiting for it to rain. <laughs> I'm waiting for rain to break out. It's foggy right here. Anything? Yeah, it's, it's a little fog. That's a good way to put it. It's foggy. <laughs> it's foggy. There was rain in the forecast, but uh, not so much now. Look at Boffo. He's working. He's all phones. over the phone. This is the, the our, our producer Mark Boffo. This is this is this is like night kind of nightmare because you got to try to track somebody down, and you you know you gotta you gotta sort of. Massage egos. You got three other people in there all looking at Bob. Got three other people looking at Bob. It's going to work. Two in this room. It's going to work. Yeah. No pressure. Now look at Lance. Lance is just, Lance doesn't care. Neither. Lance leaning back. Lance is going to go for like a 40K run when this is over, anyhow. So he doesn't really care. Trying to win marathons. Jen's in the back there. She's not. She doesn't care. She doesn't care. Making sure. Not her fault. She's not her fault. It's all in you, Boffo. Oh. It happens. I, I'm still I, I'm still feeling fairly up. Op- I should have brought an umbrella today, thinking that uh, that Josh. You're still Donaldson feeling it. Well, we still we still got what? I'm still feeling. I'm feeling I'm nine fe- minutes. I feel it's, it kind of feels it feels a little bit like rain. I'm about two minutes away from putting the umbrella away, though. I'm mm. about two minutes away from putting the umbrella away. Does this mean anything to you? It's always good when I. Uh, it's always good when I start a. Uh, conversation like that our friend uh mike petrello of mlb.com uh who contributes to uh, blue jay central kind of a a look at some interesting facts from the first weekend this got my attention because we noticed how the blue jays were shifting we noticed just how different it looks with matt chapman and with 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 bo bichette um, so Mike Petrello, now this was just after Sun, after, after, well, it was, it was after four games, the first four games of the 2022 season. Okay. Last year, the Jays shifted just 22% of the time, which was 26 most in the majors, obviously below average. Against lefties, it was 19th most. Against righties, it was 23rd. They only shifted 9% of the time against righties. This year, the first four games, they shifted 83% of the time. No other team was even at 60%. The Jays have shifted 83%. The Cubs, 59 The Mariners, 57 The Twinkies, 54 The Reds, 53 and as Petrello points out, yeah, they're shifting a lot more against lefties, but against righty hitters, they're shifting 87% of the time. The Mets are the next 
closest, 49%. In the series against Texas, only twice did a righty come up and not get shifted. Both times came when David Phelps was there. Now, look, this is early. Obviously, it's early. It's it's four games. You just got two two opponents. Um, and and the, the righty shift thing astounds me because, as Mike points out, that's kind of gone by the wayside. You don't see teams necessarily shift an awful lot against right-handed hitters compared to what used to. It's usually when a lefty comes up. What does that say to you? Is that just uh, is that the coaching staff's got a new new toy? In 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 Matt Chapman and and maybe they don't think the pitching's where it should be. They're trying to do everything Bingo. they can to put everybody in the right position. So if that ball is hit off the end, every out matters because we're trying to squeak out every single pitch, every swing, single strike, every single ball that's put in play. We have to be put in the right position if we're not because of where the pitching's at and. You know, if that starter doesn't go as long as we think he should be going, then you got to go to those, you know, those that supporting cast out of that pen, and that supporting cast hasn't been real good for the Blue Jays. So I think it has a little bit to do with that. But the Rangers, Marcus Simeon's dead pull hitter. That's, you know, you're flipping Correct. around there. Now, remember, too, the throw is longer. You can't have a guy in the outfield with a right-handed hitter up. That's why you don't see the – you're seeing more of the second baseman on the, you know, the left side of second base. That's about the sh- – the gist of the shift, right? And you may see the shortstop a little close to the third baseman, third baseman a little close to the third baseline, that kind of thing. You're not seeing the guy in the outfield just because the throw's longer. And well, it may be a product of the teams too. You mentioned Marcus Simeon is a pull is a pull yeah. hitter. Uh, I'm I'm looking at the Yankees. Um, you know, you've got the you've got a lot of lefties, but that doesn't necessarily explain the right hand. The shift of the right Chapman hand plays hitters. deep. He likes to play in Chap- that in there. that hole between shortstop and third base. So it's it's that it, helps. So you think that because the numbers are interesting, even though it's mm-hmm. early in the season, you think it's it may indicate that it's not simply having Matt Chapman increases your the the options for you defensively, but it is a reflection of where your pitching is. I think it's a combination of both. I think they're taking advantage of Matt Chapman. Very athletic, side to side, accurate, strong arm, everything that that an elite third baseman defensively can bring. And on top of it, I'll say this nicely: pitching stunk. So they want to put people in positions that every out that they should be getting, they have to get. I don't. I say the stunk word. No, I know in a is. nice way, but quite frankly, it has. And it just reinforces, <clears throat> I think, that there. <clears throat> pardon me, that there is a sense of urgency. Sure, got to get out. You, they want to get off to a good start. Right, they they could have lost the first game of the season. They could have been one and two instead of two yeah. and one, leaving the you know leaving home. But they weren't because other parts of their game picked it up for the mm-hmm. starting pitching and and some woes out of the the supporting cast in the bullpen. That's going to so, be. Yeah, fa- I, I think I, that's what it is. I, f- I find. I just find that the the influence of Matt Chapman and all this is halfway through the year. I think we're going to see stuff we haven't seen for a long time. Yeah, be- the four, because the, of him. The the fourth outfield fielder thing. That's the four outfielders. Hey, the man. That's that's a lot. Like I get the shift, and I get you know Rizzo comes up, and here goes the guy. The second baseman's going to left center field. I I guess I get it because it works, and that's why they do it. But man, it's a terrible look. It just is. It's like Santiago Espinal cutting off the ball from a lefty down the right field line, and the lefty's running around first base shaking his head like it should be a double. I get why they did it because it's working. That's why you do it. But man. Can they eliminate shifts quick enough? We're going to. And is that even a part of eliminating? Can you still do that? The four-man outfield, is that really a shift? 
Or is that just adding an extra defender in the outfield? Is that does that? I think does that count? I I think ultimately there there are two ways you can you can eliminate or restrict the shift. One is you force the infielders to play on the infield. In other words, they have to be at their, their feet have to be on the on the dirt. Um, or you need two infielders on each side. I, as I've said this, that, that what I would like to see happen is I would like to see teams limited to the number of times they can shift in a game. Like I'd, I want to make it really complicated. I want to make it really complicated because I don't like saying you can't do this and you can't do that when it's part of, when it's become kind of an accepted, uh, an accepted point of strategy. So my thinking is, and I'm not the only one. I mean, Jason Stark and other people have talked about this. Say you can't shift early in the game, or just put put restrictions on it. Yeah, that's a, I, that's I, a I lot. think that's a way to that's go. That's a now, lot that, to put on 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 coaches. Well, you have and, to hire another. You'd clearly I have to sure hire an, a defensive yeah. coordinator. Just now we got hitting strategists. When, yeah. you're, when you're going to use them, when's the best time to use them? What hitter are you going to use them against? You'd what, have to what, hire what, a what guy on the mound. Are you going to use it against? You'd have to but hire there, a defensive there, strategist. There's a lot that would go into that. Good luck with that. That is some fine ragging of the puck, my friend. Yeah. It did not rain after all. No. But I, if we know Josh, Josh will make it up. He will? Oh, Josh will make it up. Josh will make it up. Who knows? Maybe it'll rain tomorrow. I do know that there will be Blue Jays baseball tonight at 7.05 on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and Sportsnet. Blue Jays talk immediately following the game with Mr. Barker and myself. We'll be back here tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and 360. And remember, you can always listen to Blair and Barker via podcast wherever you get your favorite pods. Have a great afternoon.